1: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Netflix's Audible is nominated for Best Documentary Short tonight at the Oscars, following the Maryland School for the Deaf football team in my hometown of Frederick, Maryland. I spoke to the filmmaker and a representative from the school back in February, just before they learned about the film's Oscar nomination.
2: My name is Matt Ogins. I'm the director of Audible.
0: Hello, everybody. I am Jennifer Yost-Ortiz, and I am the current Interim Chief Educational Program Officer at the Maryland School for the Deaf, serving both campuses.
1: And Anna, do you want to introduce yourself as the interpreter?
0: Yes, Anna Rose, the interpreter.
1: (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, all of you, for, for joining us here. Um, so we should tell our listeners and our viewers, because it's Zoom, <laughs> that we uh we're talking about Audible. It's a new uh it's a short film and it's up for the Oscar. It's Oscar shortlisted. But my wife and I watched it the other night and and we really enjoyed it. It's about 40 minutes. So, you know, listeners turn it on and just enjoy it. Um, Matt, uh, let's start with you since you're the director. Um, how did you come up with this idea? I know, I know you're from Maryland, you're you know, you were a local yeah. guy. But, but when did you first hear about this dominant streak of this football team at Maryland School for the Deaf?
2: Um, for many, many years. Uh, I, like you said, I grew up about 30 minutes uh, away from Maryland School for the Deaf in Frederick. Family's still there. I go there multiple times a year. Um, but also my best friend since I was probably seven years old is deaf. Still my best friend. And so I had a bit of a window into the deaf community. And saw that there was no, not, not much deaf storytelling and content in films. Um, or often it would be sort of the conventional about and not through characters. And so I knew I wanted to tell a film not about but with the Maryland School for the Deaf 12 years before I made it. And so it took 12 years to get made and connect with Netflix and lots of stops and starts along the way. Um, And it happened when it happened, happened at the perfect time.
1: Now, I just want to follow up really quick with you, Matt. You said you grew up uh, 30 minutes outside of Frederick whereabouts? D.C. and Potomac, Gaithersburg, around that area. Gotcha. Gotcha. But you stayed familiar with the, with the whole streak up here. And so tell her, yeah. remind our listeners, set, set the stage for what they're about well, to hey, watch.
2: One, one thing to say is coach Ryan in the film, who was the head coach in the film, when I first connected with the school, and wanted to do a film. He was a player on the team. That's how long, that's how long the circle and cycle was.
1: Right. Never so, knows. so he, he had evolved up the ladder, climbed the ladder to become the coach uh, in that time. Yeah. But, but
2: in between that, he graduated, he went and played football for a hearing football team in college, then transferred uh, to Gallaudet, which is a deaf university, and played for them, came back to the school and then worked his way up. His father was the head coach when I started connecting with them.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, I'm a big fan of Maryland football, born and raised at the the high school level. We love it up here. Um, Well, very, very cool. So tell our uh, one more second before I bring Jen in Uh, real quick, Matt, tell us about the um, the actual the the story arc that you chart in terms of the season, like remind tell our listeners where this team was. It was on this dominant streak, but that streak had just ended it. And you sort of you chart um, them sort of trying to pick themselves up and recover. It
2: ended when we were there, unfortunately. Um,
1: <laughs> you jinxed uh, it.
2: <laughs> we stay away. We stay back. Um, what happens, happens, you know, and it makes you stronger. I think the perfect line is uh, in the film is uh, Mari's father is talking about how he witnessed uh, one of the players. I mean, I'm kind of quoting in number 23, he said, this loss will not define us. And that's true literally of that. They come back and win, but it's 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 true of them in life. You know, it's true of them in life. Um, and I'd like to say it's not, I don't think of it as a football film or a sports film. That is, that gives it its arc. It gives it its hook, um, but it's one element in their lives. The other element is school, education, family, relationships, right? Football is just a great, and sport is just a great metaphor for the ups and downs of life each each game is like tells a story right even in in the film they come back from that loss against a deaf school to come back and win against a hearing school at the end of the season um and I don't look at them as really great football players for being deaf they're really good football players. They also happen to be deaf. There's a really big difference. Oh, yeah. Proven by their record, proven by playing deaf and hearing schools for many, oh, yeah. many years. I mean.
1: Totally, totally. Um, and some of the some of the fascinating uh, insights into that world that I I didn't even know about, you know, hitting hitting like a almost like a, a drum or like a gong so they can feel the vibrations to start the play. Um, you know the the idea that maybe some you know <clears throat> one of the coaches says that our, our our senses are heightened and other senses are heightened. We may, might be able to see a a, a play developing better than maybe a, a, you know um, someone else. So that I mean I just was fascinated by that. So uh, Jennifer, let's get you in here. So um tell me a little bit about the history of the Maryland School for the Deaf. Um I grew up around here, so I've always been familiar with it. Um but um you know when was it founded? Um yeah, how how did it become such a a leader nationally in, you know, for the deaf community?
0: Sure, Jason, thank you for asking. So MSD has a really rich history. We were founded in 1868 and we have two campuses in the state of Maryland, one located in Frederick where we just celebrated our 150th anniversary a few years back, and then our second campus is located in Columbia, Maryland. And they actually will be celebrating their 50th anniversary this upcoming fall. We are a state funded school. That being said, we're also free for all deaf and hard of hearing students throughout the state. They do not pay tuition. We are fully accredited and we serve students birth to the ages of 21. And right now we're serving approximately 450 students almost again from all over the state of Maryland, every county. American sign language is our language of instruction and it provides for our students, the ability to have direct access to their education to instruction and, more importantly, to those incidental learning opportunities. Can I and about 90 oh sorry.
2: Oh, I just thought you were done Jennifer I, did, I wanted Jennifer to say something because I didn't you might not ask is something that I didn't know that I witnessed when I was getting to know them is. The, the, the kids, the little kids that are brought in with their family that, you know, they've just learned their, their child is deaf or their child just became deaf. I think it's a really important part of it that I didn't, you wouldn't necessarily see in my film, but it's really special that it's, you know, kind of from birth. Um, but sorry to interrupt, Jennifer, I, I uh, apologize.
0: not at all. That's okay, Matt. I really appreciate that addition. Yeah, absolutely. We have about 90% of our teaching faculty that is deaf, and we use a very rigorous curriculum, the same one that's used within the public schools, and both campuses are very, very nearby to Gallaudet University. They're very close to DC. They're within the DMV area, so in general, it's a very deaf-friendly environment, and I think that's why we attract so many deaf and hard-of-hearing students throughout the state. So
1: do you find, uh, Jennifer, do you just, I want to follow up on that. Do you find, do most of the students come at a young age and and go all the way through to age 21? Or, I, I mean, I guess people can kind of transfer in at different ages.
0: That's actually a fantastic question, Jason. So we do have many, many students who start with us as infants. Okay. Now, typically, they come from deaf families who are already familiar with the school, of course, and know how important it is to have that direct access to language. Now, those who are referred by individuals who are supporting full access also come early. We also have many, many students who transfer in at- variety of different ages. Oftentimes we see a huge influx in middle school, which is somewhat unfortunate because the reason being they transfer in at that time is that's how long it takes people to realize how much they need that direct language and that direct access. We wish we had gotten to them as babies. I mean, we welcome them, even if it's their senior year, we welcome them, absolutely. But our goal is to try to have them come to us as early as possible because as I'm sure you know, that window of opportunity for taking in and learning language fluently is so critical.
1: Great. And then uh, in terms of the, the sports, the athletic program, um, go Orioles, right? Uh, how, how does it work in terms of, um, you know, scheduling who your opponents are, you know, are in, in the film, in the Netflix film, they, they, you know, there's mention of, you know, oh, this was a hearing team. This was a deaf team. How do you how do you go about um, like which, which other schools are you playing against? Is I guess my question.
0: Well, if you're talking about football specifically, the bulk of our opponents are hearing schools. Deaf teams tend to, to play against a deaf team. It tends to require travel. So we might only have the opportunity to play two deaf teams per season. One is an away gay and one as them coming to us. And then, you know, we will typically take turns. Sometimes we have two. Sometimes we have three schools that we play against. In a season, but it's typically hearing schools. We're always trying to add some deaf games because, of course, you know that peer-to-peer competition is always fun for our students.
1: Right, right. And and so, is it mostly private schools? I mean, I know, I know. In the in the film, they make you know, there's a big deal made about um, don't you play a team? They were like, oh, we beat that team from Texas. Like, so I mean, are they teams from all over?
0: Well, when it comes to the hearing teams, it varies. Some are private schools, some are public schools, believe it or not, some are small in size, some are large in size in terms of the public schools. Now, when it comes to the deaf schools, we play against state schools, mostly schools that are similar to us. There's a school for the deaf in almost every state in the United States. And it very much depends on if the team plays 11 or eight or six man football. That's really the deciding factor. So our schedule changes as, you know, the, the availability changes out there of teams to play against. Right, and
1: in, yeah. the, in, the,
2: in the film, you see them playing against Texas, who came up from Austin. And if I'm not mistaken, Jennifer, I think the year before, Maryland had traveled to Austin. Uh, and that's one of their rivals. You know, that's, a, that's another big football uh, powerhouse, of course, being in Texas. Right. So I just, I showed up on the wrong day.
1: or the right day maybe it helped you know help craft a story where they start low and end high. you know what i mean so you never know hey am i allowed
2: to i'm gonna put jennifer on the spot sorry jennifer (laughs) um your sons play football they do very jason
0: his proud mom (laughs) wait till
2: you see these wait till you see her sons play
0: all right, who, who her, are your sons? Her son, tell, tell me about one of your sons. sons.
2: If I'm not mistaken, for one of your sons was a uh, freshman on the varsity team. He's, prom, he's in the film. You see him in the film. Um, scores a lot of the touchdowns. I mean, yeah.
0: What, what, what are their names and what are their positions? So I have Zion. And he's a rusher. And then my youngest one, Zeke, is just now he's a freshman in high school and he's a quarterback.
1: Zion and Zeke. A quarterback and you had a running back. Running back. Gotcha. And then he and scored the, a couple uh, of oh, scored a back, couple yeah. Of sorry. Of, I saw,
0: I'm using the wrong words. <laughs> and then he well, he changed this year. Freshman. Oh my lord. I but yeah, remember. I think he's a running back now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you see him score multiple touchdowns in the film.
1: Right, right. He's scoring rushing touchdowns, so you're not too far off by saying he's a yeah. rusher. you're 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 there. Uh, that's awesome. So um, wow, so that's really really cool. That's really cool. Um, but we we got I, we got to mention um, that you know, in addition to you know your your sons who are of course the stars. You're going to say that stars. No, uh, but they're, um, they're no, In addition, they're all the uh, stars. Sort of, right, they're all the stars. Um, in addition, that the, the the main sort of I guess we if we're going to say there's a main character, it's uh, how do you say? Is it Amari, Amari mckinsey Hall? Yeah, yeah. McKinstry-Hall? Amari. How, how did you, um, Matt, how did you focus in on him as, as sort of, uh, I don't want to say main character, but you know, a, a central focus. What, what, about, what about Amari made him so sure. perfect, both on the field and then, you know, for, for personal life too?
2: Yeah, well first, you know, I think Jennifer said there was 400 plus students. Every one of them at any age is worthy of an amazing story. You know, you have to pick one. So I hope I picked one where in one way, that's just Amari's story, another way hopefully he represents some of the relatable some not all but some of the relatable experiences that other deaf teenagers go through or have gone through um you know it's really coming of age film a coming of age documentary and uh i knew i wanted to follow a senior because that that cusp of graduating even if you're hearing is a pivotal moment but imagine if you're deaf and you're in this beautiful utopia of Maryland School for the Deaf. And yeah, you might go to Gallaudet, which is a deaf university. If you're going a little bit more exposed, a little bit more into the hearing world. Now I've witnessed how much like people like coach Ryan and the, the teachers, everyone at Maryland School for the Deaf, the, the administration does their best and does a great job preparing that football coaching football is not just about winning. It's, you know, it's, 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 and it's a metaphor for life in the film, but also for them, right? Preparing them. So, and you see that hopefully coach Ryan talks about that. Um, But I had to recast every year. Remember it took over 10 years to get made. So if I wanted to follow a senior, they graduated, right? Right, this
1: Uh, this isn't boyhood (laughs) in a way. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah.
2: But I didn't get to make it till about 12 years. But I'm glad it took that long. And I I hate to be cliche and say things happen for a reason, but this is why I I love it. Because I think Amari, and again, every kid there is worthy of an amazing story, is I liked his, he's unique in that he was not born deaf. He got meningitis around two or three. And I didn't even probably consciously decide this, but remember I had mentioned my best friend who's deaf. He wasn't born deaf. He got meningitis at the same age as Amari. And so I thought that was interesting because you have that tension of being in a family that isn't deaf and sure they're getting better and better at sign language, but it's still not the same access to communication as being on campus at Maryland School for the Deaf. And here's why, in every conversation, even if they're expert at ASL and they're signing with him, they're also talking to each other and having sidebars that he can't participate in. So he's not part of, you know, his brother and sister talking over there. He doesn't, do you know what I mean? It's still isolating at times. And so there's some tension conflict in terms of story there. Um, His relationship with his father, Um, his relationship with Amari, I'm sorry, let me edit that, his relationship with Jalen, who's a cheerleader on the team, which is part of the team as well, and Teddy, and I don't want to give a story, uh, a spoiler alert, but Teddy is very much a character in the film and a a catalyst, and, um, I think you could take some great lessons out of a tragedy, you know, um,
1: Right, without, without giving without giving too much away, um, I saw people we want people to watch it. Let's say, uh, let's just say that that Teddy had had some had some struggles leaving the deaf school into the hearing community and got picked on at a hearing school, and uh, you know that we won't give away. But the yeah. the the film grapples with a lot of these issues yeah. of being being in this bubble and then having. I think they even called a bubble in the movie, and then either going to a hearing school or going to co- college and yeah, uh, world.
2: I mean look I'm not a doctor and like Teddy's father says it's not black and white that's not the only there's demon there's other stuff going on of course and I'm not I'm not uh uh the appropriate person to diagnose or anything like that but you know like Jalen says at the end you know his confidence about being yourself that can apply to being deaf. That applies to being deaf is what he's really talking about, not just being gay, you know? Uh, and and Jennifer can stop me if I'm, this is incorrect, but like one thing, because I learned way more from everyone at that school than they could have possibly learned from me. i um, just, hope we were a conduit to tell their story. I didn't want to tell my version of their story or an observational story. It was, I spent 10 years talking to all of them to, till they trusted me to invite me in, um, is that being deaf isn't a disability, it's a community and it's a culture. And what Anna right now is doing is interpreting a language.
1: Yeah, it's just a different, just a different language. Right now. Yeah. Just a different language. What's
2: Absolutely the problem? What's
1: the, the, the problem?
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. What's the problem?
1: Exactly, exactly. And we're all here doing it and it's is great. Um, well, cool. So, so Jennifer, then how, how, when, when, Matt reaches out to the school and says, you know, I, I want to film and bring a camera crew or, you know, I don't know how, how big of a crew it was, but, um, big enough, big enough. Um, how do how do you on a school level go about accommodating him? You know what I mean? Like how do you, do you have, is, is there like a, Um, you know in in film sets there's all these terms like there's a video village over here and then you got your your craft services with the food like was this sort of like a mind-blowing experience from a school perspective that to have this crew descend upon your hallways
0: (laughs) it was actually a great experience like Matt said you know they learned a lot from us and vice versa we learned quite a bit from them as well I mean and I thought we had a we were very complimentary to each other. you know. They were willing to teach us a lot of things about the film industry, which we were not privy to. And they had to learn how to navigate working with an interpreter and interacting with the community. And of course, filming in a school setting causes a lot of distraction to students. But I think really, to be honest, both groups worked very hard to minimize those distractions. It was a very exciting time. We as a school felt so honored. And it was an opportunity to spotlight our school. And at the same time, try to still maintain a regular academic learning environment and, you know, continue with our regular programming, our athletics, so forth, and so on, but I thought we worked together fantastically. In in the course of the process, there were a lot of little things that, you know, we, we just didn't realize all the nuances involved with creating a film, I think, and then for us to, at the end of it, sit back and watch. It's a really great way to reflect on all the work that we do that sometimes we don't think about. At a school, we work so hard every day and the students are trying their best every day. And to have the opportunity to sit back and view that, wow, we're so proud of everybody. And we recognize what we do is so important and trying to do the best that we can for our deaf and hard of hearing students. The film is about, you know, and typically films about deaf people often are filmed through the lens and the mentality is that you know oh deaf people can do everything but here which is all well and good matt and his team i think did such an exemplary job of spotlighting our culture and our language and our norms i think often when people look at the maryland school for the deaf they might have a kind of limited scope of or vision of you know what that means and in the movie i think well i hope that it gives people who watch it you know, It expands, I think, their frame of reference and changes their perspective on what it is to be deaf and hard of hearing of what ASL is, of what sign language is, and how important direct access is for students. I mean, our kids are the same as any other kid you'll see out there in a public school. We use that public school curriculum, like I said. We provide them with many, many opportunities. We have things like an academic bowl and sports and drama. They have conflicts. They have their own drama. You know, they have everything that they go through. We have a homecoming game. We have a homecoming dance. So, what's the difference? The only difference, like Matt said earlier, is that we use a different language. You know, and we have some differences in culture. Yeah. I mean, ironically, you know, ironically, I think the film. Oh, sorry. I, no, so, ironically, I think the film you know, it was in the fall of 2019. And then in the following March was when we locked down, of course, for COVID after they were, so we never had a chance to watch it together as a group. And then when I watched it again, just recently, I realized that, oh, that was also the last documentation of our pre-COVID days, really, to be completely honest with you, we haven't had a homecoming dance since then because of the pandemic. So we're hoping to bring it back in the upcoming fall, but that movie also gave us a lot of memories and a lot to look forward to when things get back to, you know, the, that no mask time that we're all looking forward to. Like you said, in the film, it mentions a bubble. And I understand that perspective that we could be seen as a bubble, but we don't only prepare them for the future. We also prepare them to become self-advocates, to be confident, to be proud of their identity, you know, which they're going to carry throughout their life you know, they are going to address a lot of different challenges, no matter where they go. And I think the movie was more than just a story. You know, I think it's making an impact on so many levels in both communities.
2: You yeah. was gonna, she said everything I would have said
1: <laughs> and everything I was going to say. No, uh, no, I, I, I think it's a great point that, you know, that and I and that it was that it was filmed in 2019. It was in the I call it the before times. Um, and and you know, we edited
2: this whole thing and did all post remotely and virtually in the in the pandemic. We couldn't be in the same rooms.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yes. And so for for um for all you Orioles at the Maryland School for the Deaf, it's it's um, you know, your what life used to be like, sort of frozen in time on screen. And for Matt, it's sort of a reminder of what filming was like before everything locked down. So yeah, it's it's wild. Um yeah. Matt, as aesthetically for you, putting together as, let's put on the filmmaking hat right now. Um, you know, visually, I, I love some of the stuff. Like, but there's that shot with like the player hitting tack, hitting the, the tackling sled with like the, the sun kind of coming through like and like the glare a little bit. Um, but to me, the big... The really thing I want to ask you about the most impressive I thought was was the sound design. Um, where yeah. um, well, we also that saw that movie Sound of Metal a couple years ago, and then of course sure. Coda this year that dips the sound out a little at the end during the climax. But for you, um, how did you go about crafting that sound design to try to put us the audience in Amari's shoes, where you know the sound will drop, for lack of a better term, will drop out for us the the hearing viewers too. Yeah. Right?
2: Um, so I knew that I wanted to make sound a character in the film those 12 years ago. Not exactly how, because I wanted to collaborate with people in the film about that, not just the sound designers, because I have to make it authentic, right? Right. So I knew, you know, it's a film in some ways, in some ways about sound, um, and about senses in some ways. So at least on the surface. So I wanted to. Of course, convey to a hearing audience who could never know what it's like to be deaf. That's not possible. Even if we put something over your ears, knowing you're going to take them off is different. Right. You know? Um, And so, but to just approach that, to give a hearing audience some sort of a feeling um, and also sound, not just sound, but also feeling, in that, you know, as, as you mentioned with the drum, or Amari talks about what music is feeling, vibrations, right? We all feel vibrations. We're just not attuned to that. Um, and so going for those bassier, lower distorted sounds. So if someone that's deaf turns up the volume, they might feel it. Right. Certainly someone that's hearing and just, to make sound to make you feel like it's 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 present so having that spectrum from silent to very saturated vibrant sounds and everything in between because being deaf it's not all you're either fully hearing or fully deaf there's a spectrum you know my best friend is 100% deaf but some some there's there's levels right and so i certainly i also didn't want to treat those nuances in being deaf it's not, I didn't, just because there's one word, I, I wanted to show some of those nuances so the hearing audience understands that it's not black or white. You're not just hundred percent deaf. And you know, as Mr. Tucker, who was a superintendent at the time told me like, it's not a silent world, go in that locker room before the game right. that doesn't sound so quiet.
1: Right. And I love that uh, the it was it was mine, it was opening to me or educational. They flat, flashed flat the lights to help get pumped up for for the game too. It, it yeah. was it was excited. I wanted to go out there and start, you know, scraping down the line and making some tackles with those guys. You captured it.
2: I've been in a lot of those locker rooms <laughs> over the years and, and it never never gets old
1: it really doesn't uh, well cool um i know zoom is flashing the old you know 10 minute warning on on a, on our call so let's pivot really quick to the um to sort of the 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 festival circuit here i know you know it, it played afi docs the movie did yeah. right um how did you get distribution with netflix was it always a netflix always. original yeah. they funded it from the start okay
2: well not over the 12 years but when it came together in amari and here's the character this is the year to do it i feel it in my gut you know uh because we didn't always know. Mr. Tucker over the years was like, eh, it's not gonna happen. And like it just happened. You never know, right? I just kept at it. I knew there was something there. Um so we we brought it to Netflix and collaborated together um at the start, you know, before production. Um in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Made it 2019 into 2020. Um, and came out in 2021 and played at AFI docs and Right there in Maryland, and uh, hot dogs uh, in Canada. Um, yeah, blanking. I'm embarrassing myself.
1: No, it's all right. It's all right. There's so my- that's really, and now it's on Netflix. Everyone can watch it on Netflix, and uh, yeah. and I know. So it 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 got chosen as on the oscar shortlist so it's one of i don't know a dozen or so 15 or something films that that Mm -hmm. are making the next cut and then we find out uh, if it actually gets the official oscar nomination i think we find out february 8th i think is when they announce it so will you matt and jennifer you know at the school are you guys are you all going to be having like uh, are you going to have a watch party the morning of that? You know, fire up the this live stream of the announcements and, and, and with popcorn, ready to see if you get nominated? <laughs> uh,
2: I don't know. I'm pretty introverted and I'm going to be in another country filming, but I'm going to obviously take off that day on a new documentary I'm working on. Um, you know, for me, I can't speak for Jennifer, just to get this, first of all, all the films are amazing. I mean, this diverse group of filmmakers from around the world, shortlisted or not, um, telling diverse stories that are so important, right? So impactful. They're all, they're all important. I'm humbled and grateful, you know, to get this far, but more so like if it, if it means elevating the deaf community and teaching people to, to listen, then, um, you know, and about accessibility and representation, uh, in life and in, 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 in storytelling, you know, um, th- I think that helps elevate it. And that that's amazing to me and humbling to me.
1: Man, how about you, Jennifer? I mean, will it be exciting if, if, <laughs> if on the eighth, you know uh, you know, you see oh. flash up that you're an Oscar nominated and more, more reason to tune into the Oscars for man. Let's go for the death.
0: Absolutely. It is very, very exciting. Like I mentioned, you know, We never missed the opportunity, you know, and we did miss the opportunity to come together and watch it when it first premiered. So, of course, we're gonna do something. We're still gonna require social distancing of six feet. We're still gonna require masks and things like that. We will work out the logistics, but definitely we're gonna do something because we're very, very excited. That's so great.
1: And I guess just sort of in closing as a Frederick Tony and myself and, you know, Jennifer, it must, it must, it must be, it's really cool to sit home. I got to say, to sit, my wife and I to sit and just turn on Netflix and, you know, we're we're seeing, you know, Amari going on a date on a sidewalk, you know, having ice cream or whatever it was, um, uh, you know, right on the streets of downtown Frederick and, and seeing the the hallways and the football fields and the surrounding homes and neighborhoods of, of Maryland School for the Deaf. I just, it's so cool. So just speak to that a little bit, Jennifer, about how, um, you know, it's, it's good promotion for the school and, and for the city of Frederick.
0: Absolutely, Jason, I couldn't agree more. We often talk about the quality, I guess, of deaf people living here in the Frederick area. Really, I mean, Frederick is an amazing town. Wherever I go, you know, they at least if it's a cashier, if it's, you know, somebody that I'm interacting with, they at least know how to fingerspell or they have interpreters at the ready. I mean, it's just so deaf friendly and so accommodating. The Frederick community is so focused on inclusivity. you know, and they always make sure that includes the deaf community. You know, you go to the store, they provide ASL interpreters for all of the health classes. You know, the quality here is just absolutely amazing. So as a school, we want to not only, you know, kind of show who we are, but we want to reflect the community at a lot at a whole. It's a really, it's got a small town feel, and we've noticed there's a lot more art out there now. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, I don't know. Can you tell how much I love Frederick? It's just fantastic. So it. like, anyway, I, love I moved too. here. I mean, I mean, I moved here for my son's education, no question. Yeah. And I thought maybe once they graduate, we'd relocate, but no, we're 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 permanent Fredericktonians, like you said. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's the best. That's why and I in it. <laughs> and also, I mean, I have to. I can't neglect Columbia. Columbia is a fantastic area. It's really close to DC. It's really close to transit. It's close to Baltimore. It's near the highway. So both locations are just prime for, for students.
1: Oh yeah, it was really cool seeing all all the all of the local images and uh, and and it really does show off and highlight the school, including that new basketball gym that looked a little bit. We used to play there in like youth youth basketball. We played against Maryland School for the Deaf there. And I, that gym looks like it was renovated. So anyway, it, it it's it's a great showcase for the school. And But beyond beyond that, you know, any viewer, you don't have to be from around this area. I mean, I think anyone around the world around the country could can turn on netflix and really enjoy this thing so um, i really appreciate it again everybody it's called audible it's now streaming on netflix uh matt jennifer i just wanted to say and anna interpreting thank you so much for joining us on, on wtop It's great getting to catch up with you anything you want to say uh before we bow out
2: yeah i mean i want to thank you for jason for having us and talking about audible but i also want to thank uh jennifer and anna who yes we're they're part of the film, and working with Maryland School for the Deaf, you, you have to, uh, it's a collaboration. You know, it's not just them letting us in, and it's like we made the film together, and I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't have made it, we couldn't have made it without them. And, and also getting it right, because the film is not just for a, a hearing audience. It's as much, um, I, I'd say, more so for a deaf audience. Um. So I had to get that right, which means you want to make it together. Right. You know, Anna was my interpreter. (laughs) One one of our great interpreters. So.
1: Yeah, everyone you're seeing here is sort of all pitched in to make part like honorary crew members in a way. You know, to help make it possible. So. Mm,
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Essential. Essential crew members.
1: Well, thank you thank you all so much for joining us. Again, it's called Audible, now streaming on Netflix. Only 40 minutes, so turn it on. Let's go. Watch it tonight. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.